sit there and stare at my computer and stare at my computer and nothing will come. And then this week I was like, <laughs> it just flowed from my soul. Because friendship is really important to me as a high value in my life. And I've, I've just, over the years of working in women's ministry, I just have had a lot of experiences and thoughts that I'm like, okay, let me just get this all out. So tonight will be like therapy in a good way. It'll be great. <laughs> so the number one thing that I've found, and you guys can maybe verify this in your own heart and mind as you listen, but it's super easy for most of us to make friends when we're in school, right? Like, as we come up from kindergarten to 12th grade, we're all in the same place, doing the same thing, and people just kind of naturally gravitate. You have your groups of, like, the nerdy kids, you have your groups of the popular kids, you have your groups of the artsy kids, and people who have similar personalities just kind of gravitate towards each other, and we naturally become friends. And then we go to college, most of us do anyway, or a great number of us do, and it's the same. Big groups of people in one space doing the same thing, and those natural groups find each other, even though there's a little more freedom in college to like figure out who we are, and that might differ from your high school, high school experience. For the most part, college and school are the same. And then we graduate, and we go into the world of jobs, and we go into the world and, and find a partner, and maybe we have kids, or maybe we're single without a partner, and we're trying to figure this out. And sometimes that works pretty well. Like, if you're young, single, career, that's an easy group. Um, but once you get married and have kids, that can be another easier, harder type of life. And then once you're, like, maybe into, like, your mid to late 30s, have you, like, stopped, those of you who are in that moment, and looked around and been like, wait a second. <laughs> Where are my friends at? Has anybody felt like that? Okay, thank you. Um, and if you're single, a young single professional, maybe you've been like, I don't know what to do now that I'm out here, and I kind of feel like I'm isolated and I'm floating, and I, I don't know. Or maybe you're a young married without kids, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know who's like me. I don't know how to how to fit into this new narrative that my life has turned around. So here's the thing, is that nobody talks about how hard it is to find your friends and to be a friend as an adult. And nobody teaches us how. So I, I think most of us come into a room like this and we're like, oh, we're all in the same place, doing the same things together. This should be easy to make friends. And sometimes it works that way, and sometimes it doesn't, right? So we come into the room with expectations. And so I wanted to start tonight by talking about expectations. And I have a few TikTok videos to teach us about that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
expectations and reality can sometimes not match, right? Um, so guys, tonight you have a couple notes pages. One of these should say Jesus and Friendship, and the other one is a little quiz we're going to take together. But we're going to start tonight just talking about expectations and what it looks like to walk into a room, to walk into the church as an adult woman, whatever life stage you're in as an adult woman, and have expectations. And this is the thing about expectations. There's strong belief, let's define them first, a strong belief that something will happen or it will be the case in the future. So people come in the door with good and bad expectations, because expectations can be both. Some people have had poor experiences with women, and they walk into these rooms and they're like, mmm, real guards are real high, I don't want to talk to anybody, women aren't trustworthy, they're quirky, they're this or that, they're gossipy. Um, or you walk into this room, guards fully all the way down, and you're like, I'm going to find the best friend immediately. Right? Here's the thing, though, is that expectations often aren't met because they're not based in the reality of what you're finding yourself involved in. Um, and i found that unmet or unhealthy expectations kill friendships faster than anything else. <coughs> There's a couple um, of these unhealthy or unmet expectations that I've encountered over my years. Um, one of them was when, it wasn't me that was, I was part of the leadership team, but I wasn't leading the women's group. And um, someone got very upset because the friend that she wanted to be close with was the leader of the group at that time. It was a whole thing, and I got dispatched to talk to her. So we're sitting down, we're talking, and she's expressing how she feels so unseen and so like not loved and not friended by this leader. And I was like, well, I mean, this person's super busy. I was like, what about person A, B, and C who aren't as busy and are like the best, most cool people? Have you reached out to them to like get coffee or do something? And that was not acceptable. If it wasn't the leader, if it wasn't the person in charge or the person who was seen as being you know, important, um, it wasn't acceptable, and I was like, that's so crazy. <laughs> like, that's an expectation, you guys, that I really think we need to talk about, because here's the truth. Whoever the leader, and this is a human nature thing. This is not, like, specific to women, by the way. This is a human nature thing. Men do it, too. There's a tendency in us, for whatever reason, to want to be close to whoever the person in charge is. And here's the thing, one person can't be close to everybody. It's not possible. And so if we can't be close to the person in charge and that's bothering us, maybe that's a place to ask some questions about why and what the expectation is that is of being met. So the first, there's a couple things of, that are the number, there's like four things that we're gonna talk about. They're unhealthy or unmet. Well, they're there. Expectations. And the first one is, like you just want, some people just want to be close to whoever is in charge. They want to be close to the leader. Maybe that makes you feel safe. Maybe that makes you feel seen. I don't know. Um, but the truth is that there's probably a lot of really cool people around us. So who's not the leader that God's put you around that you could maybe reach out to or talk to? Another unhealthy expectation is waiting for everyone to come to you. So I've had many conversations over the years with people who walk in the door, and some of it is valid hurt, and that's why the walls and the guards are up, and some of it is just not knowing how to make friends as an adult woman, and the expectation is, is okay, I'm here, I've done my part by walking in the door, now 
everybody else needs to do their part by coming to me. But here's the thing is that nobody can read your mind. And so should there be a welcoming environment? Yes. Should you be known and greeted? Yes. But does everybody know that you're sitting there longing for deep friendship? No. When you walk into an environment, people don't know your background, your history, your friendship circles. They don't know what your life is like. And so there has to be like a give and take of information and getting to know. And the only way that people can get to know you is if you're willing to share who you are, right? So waiting for everyone to come to you sometimes means that you'll just be sitting there by yourself for a really long time. And then the next one is expecting immediate friendships to form. There's a churchy, churchism, I don't know what to call it, of church means friendship. Church means when I walk in the door, we are gonna get along. Here's the thing, guys. When you walk in the door as a human being, you're gonna meet with a whole bunch of other human beings. And they're gonna make you mad sometimes. And it might be hard for you to figure out where your place is and where you fit, right? I had a situation come up recently where there were some unvoiced expectations of me of wanting that closeness and meet with me. And I had set up a whole situation where I was going out with some other people and this person found out about that and was super mad with me and broke our friendship off. I had no idea, none whatsoever, that A, that person wanted to be that close to me and B, that that other situation that I was at with other people was gonna cause that reaction because none of those things have been voiced. So here's the thing, guys. Immediate friendship is not normally a thing. Can it happen? Sometimes. Is it normal for it to happen? No. It's the exception, not the rule. And then another expectation that I think we walk into is that habits. Like, here's the thing. If you're the kind of person who is maybe used to gossiping at work about other people, or you tend to hold on to things of damage and hurt for a long time without working it out with that person, those unhealthy expectations of me gossiping about people is not going to change any of the dynamics in the room. Or it's not going to change my dynamic with person A, B, or C. The bad habits that we walk in with do damage and do affect our relationships. So to have an expectation that no matter what I say or do, I'm going to be accepted and loved by everybody, is an unrealistic expectation. So as I was like thinking through these unmet expectation stories, I was like, oh my gosh. So what do we owe each other in the spiritual family? Because there is a truth, right? There is a truth that when you walk into the church building and we're called the spiritual family, and like Janet taught us, we're the church, we're the body of Christ, we do owe each other some level of relationship and some level of friendship. But what is it? So I want you guys to look at your notes because I have some scripture on there. And we're just going to underline things that we see. And this is not an exhaustive list, but I thought these three verses in particular really narrowed it in. The first one is Romans 12.10, and it says, Love one another with brotherly affection. We all know that the most important commandment is to love God and love our neighbor. That's easy. My first thing that I have to do that I owe you guys and you owe me is that we have to love each other. And that doesn't mean that I have to look at you and feel all kinds of deep, fuzzy emotion. Because love is an action. It means I treat you with kindness and respect and with care for who you are. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. You guys want to underline honor. What does it mean to honor somebody? It just means that you look at that person 
as a human being and you respect them as a human being. And if they deserve praise, give them praise. And then Colossians 3.13, I love this one because it's so real. It says, bear with one another. I love that, bear with one another. Human beings are tough, you guys. Sometimes, I know I get on animals' nerves. Maybe sometimes you get <laughs> But here's the thing, we bear with one another. Because why? Because we're all human, we all make mistakes, so we just come into this room together knowing that none of us are perfect and that actually, when you screw up, I'm gonna forgive you. And when I screw up, I'm gonna hope you guys forgive me. And that's what the verse of Jesus say, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, how free is the forgiveness that God has given us? Complete, right? Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation if that grievance and that hurt is ongoing or it's super damaging. It means that you lay down anger and you're right for revenge. So I'm just going to pick on Savannah, who would never do this to me ever. If she walked up and punched me in my face, I'd be like, God, oh, forgive you. I'm not going to punch you back. I might want to, but I'm not going to. But it's that I'm not going to hold that against her, and I'm not going to seek revenge for it. And then in First Peter, it says, once again, to keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And then it says, show hospitality towards one another without grumbling. So there's two things in there. Hospitality, it could mean that you guys come over to my house and we hang out. Or it could mean I just invite you to do some stuff with me. That's a command across the board to all of us. So here's my question. How do we show hospitality to each other? One of the things I think is so important is to look around the room and see who's on the edges of it. Who's sitting by themselves, who's not talking to anybody. That is something we owe each other across the board. How can we invite people in? How can we be hospitable without complaining? It's not always convenient to be hospitable, right? I'm not, it's not my spiritual gift to be hospitable, but it's something that I'm practicing working on because it's something that we're commanded to do. And then it says, if each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So underline serve one another as God's stewards, as good stewards of God's very grace. So we have spiritual gifts, all of us. If my spiritual gift isn't hospitality, but my spiritual gift is serving, maybe I come over and help you paint your house, right? If your spiritual gift is giving, maybe you give to somebody who is in need in the room. So we, we take the gifts that God has given us to corporately benefit each other. Okay, so what's the baseline? What is the baseline? It is that we love each other, that we forgive each other, and that we serve each other with our spiritual gifts. That's the baseline of the relationship that we owe to every human being in the church. Now here's the thing, guys. There are levels of friendship. I don't know if anyone has ever told you that. Some of you have heard this already several times, but we're going to do it again. On the back of your sheet, there is this huge circle. We're going to come back to the other scripture, but the back of the sheet, there's a huge circle. 
within that baseline of love, forgiveness, and serving, that doesn't mean that that means you have to be in this very inner circle of my life. Okay? So God gave us capacity, and some of us have more capacity than others, and we're gonna look at that tonight. But friendship and relationship are circular. So this would be like level one. We're gonna call this like acquaintances. And I'm not gonna spell the whole thing. You guys have. This would be level two. This would be like good friends. Maybe people that you go out to dinner with, people that know something about your life, people that um, you have shared experiences with. So be good friends. Level three right here, this would be besties and family. And this inner circle right here, this is God, you, and your spouse if you have one. This is level one. This is a very small circle. Now, I mean, this is a little more, sorry. So, everybody has a different capacity for these circles. And my capacity is not going to be the same as y'all's capacity. Here's the thing. I have eight people in this circle of besties. I have a, God has given me a high capacity for relationship, even though I'm an introvert. So I have eight people that I maintain a friendship with that I would call a best friend. And that varies at different times in my life and different times in their life, but we know each other at a level that I don't share with other people. But guys, I have eight people in my inner circle. I have gotten no more time. Like, that's not going to 10. You know what I'm saying? And I also have a really big family. So here, this circle for me is max. This circle right here are good friends. I don't have any idea how many people I have here. Oh, I have a lot of people here. There's a lot of people that I've done things with. We've had fun. They know me. I know them. We've talked. This would be a circle where mentoring happens for me, where I'm mentoring people, or I'm being mentored by them. And number two. And then this circle out here, still I have no idea. But it doesn't matter, because number one is something that I don't put a lot of thought into. My thought starts with two, three, and four. <laughs> now, some of you guys might be sitting here going, eight people is insane, right? That's totally true. Maybe your capacity for the besties is like one to two. That's totally great. There's nothing wrong. There's no good or bad number, except what your capacity is for relationship. Does that make sense? So here's the problem with the circle, is sometimes we come into these rooms and we think immediately we need to be here or here with people. But friendship takes time. So here's the thing, guys. Every person that is filled in my human circle has a different capacity for a relationship. And friendship takes time. There are different kinds and levels of friendship. We talked about mentoring, that's a kind of friendship. We talked about best friends, that's a kind of friendship. We have work friends, we have travel friends, we have friends we just do stuff with on the weekends. 
We have long distance friends. So capacity is an important question for us in friendship. And I want to make sure that we all understand this. Number one, as adults, it's not going to be easy to maintain friendship. You're going to have to work at it. Like any other relationship as an adult, like a marriage or a family relationship, if you value that relationship and they're here in your circle of, of three, or you want them to be there, then you need to put time and effort into it. You have to put time and effort into it. It's not just going to happen spontaneously. So it takes time and it takes effort. And that's what nobody tells us as adults. And our expectations and our feelings get wounded because we think, oh, I should just be able to go about my daily life and float through whatever's happening. And if my friend, I'm just making this up, I don't know this person, but my friend Linda over here hasn't talked to me in a week, well, then she's a bad friend. But guys, what if Linda has had a crazy, insane week and her family life has just blown up? But you haven't reached out either to know that. Right? So it takes a lot of work and it takes intentionality to maintain friendships. So what I want you guys to do right now is I want you to pull out your quiz. This is a quiz about introverts and extroverts. This is not exhaustive. This is just kind of like a temperature taking. But before we take it, I want to define it. So on your notes, you have um, something that says introversion and an extroversion. I'm an introvert, guys. Um, so I need less stimulation. I need to recharge and reflect in quiet. I have to think before I speak a lot of times, and sometimes that makes me really bad in conversation because you'll be talking and I'll be like, I don't know. Or people, this is one, people ask me what I feel. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm feeling in this moment. I have not thought about it. That is a really actually hard question for me to answer. So as an introvert, I need to think before I can tell you what I, what I feel or what I, I know. I value one-to-one -one friendships. That's really true. Even though I have eight best friends, those are one-to-one -one relationships for the most part for me. I'm a very independent person. I don't like being center of attention for a long time. This is really hard for me. This is a spiritual gift that God has given me experience in. Um, extroversion. They seek more stimulation, not less. Energizing around people. No, not me. Think out loud. That's my husband. Large social network, thriving teams and crowds. They love to be the center of attention sometimes. They value broad experience. And guys, we have a misconception. We think quiet equals introvert and loud equals extrovert. That's not always the case. Being an introvert or an extrovert is more about how your emotional battery recharges. People don't know I'm an introvert a lot of times because I've learned social skills. And I've learned how to have extroverted tendencies where I can talk to people. When I was a child, that was not true. People thought there was something wrong with me because I didn't talk to anyone. So here's the thing. Introverts recharge their energy alone, and extroverts recharge their energy with people. That is the number one way to figure out if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're loud, quiet, like to talk, or don't like to talk. So I want you guys to go ahead and take your test. I'm going to give you, it's not a very long test, so I'm going to try and give you guys like, one minute? Does it sound good? Okay, I think we're mostly done, guys. Is there anybody who's like, no, I absolutely need more time? Okay. Okay, so we're gonna talk about your results here in just a minute, but hang with me for just a, a few more a few more minutes, guys. Um so I want you to put that away, but we're gonna come back to it because I want you to think about youth in particular and your capacity. 
Introverts will have less capacity, generally speaking, than extroverts for people. Okay? So we're going to go back to the scripture. Because then I had questions like, man, if it's so hard to have friends, is it worth it as an adult? Right? Like, we all have stuff to do, let's be honest. We're all working. We all have family stuff. Some of us have kids. Some of us have grandkids. Some of us have jobs that are crazy. Some of us have just internal stuff that's going on, maybe. I don't know. Like, life is hard. So is it worth it to develop friendship with people and to maintain it? And I would say yes. And I would say there's some things to look for as adults. Because what we don't want to do, since we all have so much going on, is waste time. Am I right? Like, we don't want to waste time on people who are going to, I don't want to say that they're not going to be worth it. That's not very nice. But, like, we want our friendships, those intimate, close people, the ones that are near to us, to be life-giving, not life-taking. So here's what we want to look for. Proverbs 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So when does a friend stop loving? Never. According to scripture, a true friend never stops loving you. Does that mean that it can look different in different seasons? Yes, it does. It can look different. If you have a friend that's been your friend for 15 years and they moved to another state, you're not going to have the same kind of relationship you had before when they were like two doors down from you. But a friend that loves at all times understands that there's a change of seasons and you don't stop being friends because your circumstance changes. Does that make sense? A brother is born for a time of adversity. There will be some friends in your life who will be like siblings. Siblings that are good siblings. Like family. And those are the ones that you can depend on when life gets hard. Proverbs 27 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetest of a friend comes from this earnest counsel. Look for people who are wise. Wiser than you, maybe, but maybe they're just like, good, earnest counsel, people that love Jesus, that love scripture, people that will not be like, if you're going to make a bad decision, you can go to that person and be, and know, right? But that person will say, hey, this is maybe not the best choice. But we'll do it with love. Or if you don't know what to do, you can maybe say, hey, what do you think I should do? And they'll pray for you. What about that? Wise counsel. You don't want somebody who's going to be like, yeah, Let's go do all the things that we know we shouldn't do. That's not the kind of friendship that's life-giving. Proverbs 17.9 says, One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. In some versions it says, A gossip separates friends. This works both ways, guys. If you have a long-term friendship, you will at some point hurt your friend's feelings, and they will hurt you. This has happened to me in my friendships multiple times. The number one way to figure it out is to talk about it. Communicate it. Don't sit on it. Don't let it fester. Don't blast your friend who may not have even known that they did something wrong. But to like go calmly and just say, hey, this hurt my feelings. Can we talk about it, right? I've also encountered this when someone knows that somebody did something and they spread it around. That's not cute, guys. Like, can we just be real for a second? Spreading something that's hurtful, even if it's true, is not necessarily the best plan. Like, let's say that Dan and Emma, I know they're besties. 
and I'm just making this up. But if I see Emma take Day's car out for a joyride one night without permission, I know she's done it. Is that necessarily my business to go and tell Day? Maybe. Maybe not. I think sometimes we need to consider that we do things with good intentions that are actually harmful to relationships. And so my question is, measure it out. Ask for counsel. Is this a big enough deal to go tell somebody that there's a problem, or is it something that it's not your business, let them figure it out, it's their relationship? Because let's be real, we all love to be judgy. It's fun. Sometimes it's really fun. But here it says, don't alienate your friend. And then Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Once again, guys, the responsibility for friendship starts with me. It starts with me. It's not my job to sit here and be like, okay, I'm gonna need all of you to come and get to know me. Very rarely does that work anywhere in life. It's my job to go and say, hey, what's up, Nikki? How's your day been? It's my job to be friendly first. And when you're looking for a friend, if you're the one doing all the work in the friendship, that's something to consider. Friendship is a two-way street. If you're being friendly, and you're not getting friendliness in return, that's something to consider. Maybe that person is a number one, or a number two, instead of a number three. Because you want this circle to be trustworthy, and you don't want to be the one in the circle doing all the work. Now, once again, that doesn't mean there won't be seasons in life where a really, really good friend, a best friend of yours, will be going through something and you need to communicate about what's happening. Because they may not be doing something out of like malicious intent or because they don't love you. They may just be quiet on there and something's happening in their life, right? Okay, so that leads us to communication. And we're gonna flip it back over. There are nine things. I thought there were eight and then I was like, no, there's nine, so I added one that are going to set you up for friendship success. To kind of recap all the things we talked through. I want you guys to have friends. I want us as adult women to know how to relate to each other, and I want us to know how to build friendship. Before I say any of these things, we're going to start with number four. We'll get back to it, but I'm going to say it twice. Guys, friendship is not something, close intimate friendship is not something we can demand from other people. It is a gift. And if one person's personality doesn't click with another, can we have the grace to bear with each other and say, cool, like I thought maybe we could be a three, but maybe we're like a one or a two. Can we have the grace to just say, hey, I'm gonna let you say no and receive that no without it tearing you down. Because it might not be that you're a bad person or that they're a bad person. It might just be that like personalities don't click. And that's okay. Okay, so number one, friendship success. Friendship takes time to build. Am I in your way? Oh, sorry. Friendship takes time to build. Remember, um, remember that when you walk, especially into a new place, or you walk in with the hope and the expectation of building friendship, that it's gonna not just happen immediately. It takes time. It takes time to get to know someone. It takes time to figure out who they are. It takes time, honestly, to figure out if you want to be friends with someone. 
You might get halfway into a conversation and be like, oh, actually, I'm out. <laughs> or you might get halfway into the conversation and be like, I think so, but I'm not sure. And that conversation may not be one, it may be several. Number two, guys, friendship is very easily built in and around activities. If you want to build a friendship with somebody, ask them to do something with you. The best way to get to know someone might be over a long conversation with a cup of coffee, or it might be doing a craft at one of our crafty places in town or at your house, or it might be just like going to the grocery store together. It, I think sometimes we have to have like these big events. You know, just do life together. Go buy groceries together. Like, have them come over and sit while you clean your house. If you have kids and they have kids, like, go to the park together. Activity is very bonding. It's a very easy thing to figure out who somebody is when you're doing something with them. So if you're like, I'm kind of lonely and I want to see if someone will be a friend to me, invite them. Be a friend. Be friendly. Invite them to do something with you. Number three, success. Have an open mind. Maybe you're a mom with three kids and you are looking for another mom friend. But what if you're surrounded by single people or people with no kids? What if one of those people could be your friend? I think you put boxes around, again, expectations around what should be happening in our lives at certain times. Guys, what if someone could be your bestie who's not like you? I look for people, this is me in particular, I look for people who are not like me. I want to hear from people who are different than me. So my eight people are like vastly all different from each other and from me, because they all add something. So please have an open mind about the kind of person who would be a good friend. Maybe it's someone older than you. Maybe it's someone younger than you. Maybe it's someone from a totally different part of the world that you just met. Have an open mind. Number four is what we started with. Give people the freedom to say no. Remember that you don't have the right to demand intimacy from someone else. Number five is understand life stages and seasons. Once again, guys, give each other grace. Life stages change, seasons change, people change. If you want to have a long-term friendship with someone, have that friendship with them knowing that they and you will both change. Again, expectations. Don't expect them to stay the same. Don't expect them to always be 23 and want to go out to like midnight. I will tell you, at 44, I'm in bed at 9.30 every night. And my friends know me and love me. We're going to bed early. <clears throat> I, I think I'm going to tell, Faith and I are, Faith is one of my, my eight. And um, we've known each other for like, she's in the bathroom tech. We've known each other for like 20 years, guys. And she's a morning person. Oh my goodness, she's a morning person. I am not. And we have gone on vacation together. And guys, we communicate about that. She gets up, runs around, goes and watches the sunrise, sings songs, not in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I sleep in. And she gives me the grace to sleep in, and I give her the grace to go do whatever she's doing. That's communication and allowing each other to be different. Number six, consistency is the key to friendship on both sides. I have another friend who's been my friend since college, 
<clears throat> she and I have not lived in the same place except for one time. And we maintain our friendship because we both make an effort. And that looks different. Sometimes we don't talk for long periods of time. Sometimes we talk every other week. But guys, she calls me, I call her, we text. We see each other, we make the effort. She comes here, I go there. Consistency is key to friendship. Once again, this goes back to the time thing. If you want to have a long-term friendship, a deep, rich, long friendship, you have to be consistent with them on both sides. Number seven, forgive each other. When that person that you love so dearly hurts your feelings, they may know they have, they may not know they have, but you need to tell them. And you need to forgive them. And you need to communicate. One of the things women do a lot is we don't communicate how we feel. For people who feel a lot of things, we don't communicate it to each other. We need to be honest about where we're at and what we need. And then number nine is choose wisely. Make your choices. Did your mom ever tell you guys that? Soldier, make your choices. Look for people who have good character. Look for people who are fun, who like the same things you do, or maybe who don't like the same things you do, but you're interested. Choose wisely. So it's 8 o'clock, and we are going to go ahead and turn it over to table discussion. So I want you guys, there's questions on the bottom of your sheet. I want you guys to answer that, but I also want you to talk about your test. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? What did you think about that? What's your capacity, possibly? And then I'll come back up and close this in about 20 minutes.